Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Earnings are coming out, and Wall Street's giving us mixed reviews on what they think of the market's going to be happening. I mean, I wake up and the Dow's up, and now, at least at the recording of this podcast, the Dow's starting to slip now. So Wall Street is giving us mixed signals. Does that mean we're in a bear market? Probably. And it seems like it more and more every single day. But it's also interesting to point out, too, that even though these companies keep reporting earnings, it's like for how quickly things go and or come and go, it's it quickly disappears of all the excitement that's happening on Wall Street. But there is some news that we have to be able to cover that I think a lot of you would find interesting today. First off, we have some news from Nightscope. Nightscope has officially announced that they have they've completed the acquisition of Case Emergency Systems. And I'm excited to be able to start on that today on today's podcast when we get to it, okay? IBM reported earnings and the quarterly projections and it lifts its full year revenue forecast, which is interesting because this is the first company that's raising guidance where a lot of companies are slashing guidance. And what could that mean for IBM going forward for the rest of this year? Tesla is on the news as well. Tesla's shares are sliding after Q3 revenue misses and Wall Street's a little jittery on that. And Musk is also talking to for about Tesla and he expects to meet the Inflation Reduction Act requirements for the new tax credits on EVs and what that could potentially mean for Tesla going forward. And finally, we got some more news from Joe Biden that we'll cover today. It has to do with Joe Biden and the oil markets. I think you'll find that interesting when we get to the end of this podcast today. But I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. I cannot legally give you any financial advice. This is podcast is for information purposes only, and you need to do your own research before investing in any company. I cannot legally give you financial advice. Please talk to your professional advisor. This whole podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. I also do have to admit, too, that I do have small positions in companies like Nightscope, IBM, and I believe Exxon, if it's mentioned today. Oh, and Kendrall as well. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Nightscope completes acquisition of case emergency systems. Okay, From Mountain View, California, Business Wire, Nightscope Inc., a leading developer in autonomous security robots today announced it has completed its acquisition of case emergency system or known as CASE. We look forward, and this is a quote from the CEO, we look forward to collaborate working with our new incoming clients to overhaul our nation's public safety infrastructure, beginning with the 7,000 plus blue light towers and emergency call box devices already in network. Our country needs superhuman capabilities to fight crime and become the safest country in the world. Autonomy, uh, autonomy robotics, 5G solar, AI, and electric vehicles can make a positive change to our country's law enforcement and security uh, app. Apparatus, providing officers and guards unprecedented capabilities to better secure the places you live, work, study, and visit, said William Santana Lee, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Nightscope. The acquisition is planned to contribute to Nightscope's sales strategy, given case relationship with numerous key clients. And this is where things get interesting with Nightscope. With Just listen to these key clients that they have, okay? Including, but not limited to, the New York Police Department, the NYPD, New York City Fire Department, the San Bernardino County of Transportation Commission, the San Luis Obispo Council of Governments, Ventura County Transportation Commission, 
and the Orange County Transportation Authority. These relationships and numerous others will come uh, will complement and strengthen Nightscope's growing autonomous security robot business with a comprehensive product portfolio and broad and physical footprint. Okay. The reason why these names are so intriguing, okay, almost all of these are government entities in some way, shape, or form. Nightscope is finally getting government money and taxpayer money into their company with over 7,000 of them now, okay? In fact, when Nightscope made this announcement today, and this isn't financial advice that I'm about ready to say, their stock jumped about 20 cents, almost about as high as close to 9% in trading at least at the time of recording this podcast. This was earlier in the in the trading day. My personal opinion, okay? There's also other clients that they have too. Like for instance, they're a part of UC San Diego. So for those of you who are at UC San Diego, I mean, those blue lights you're seeing, that's case, that's case. And now Nightscope now. And there's also some in Kentucky too that I had read about. There's about 43 of them in a Kentucky location. And I'm sure cases other locations too. But in general, this is huge for Nightscope at the end of the day, okay? Government money is now going into the company. It's funny because the CEO for Nightscope for the longest time said that young companies shouldn't be working with the government. And he was right. At the beginning, it's not wise to. And now they're in the government sector in some way, shape, or form, mostly with the case blue lights. What's also nice too is just knowing the fact that they're probably going to be able to sell more robots to these clients now too. Or they're going to make the case emergency blue lights better with some type of potential night scope technology in the making. That'd be so fascinating to see how this all becomes in the end. But like I said earlier, when the, when the news was originally broken for this company, when they were originally making the announcement of buying it, this provides now cash flow for night scope in the making. I personally believe sometime this quarter or next quarter, there is a probability that Nightscope will start taking off. This isn't financial advice. I'm not telling you to invest, okay? It's just my personal opinion. I believe Nightscope's time is about ready to come. And when it does, it's going to get a lot of buzz potentially on Wall Street. Right now, only less than 2% of institutional investors own the stock. If you look at other companies like Beyond Meat or Apple, you have like 60 plus percent of institutional investors that are owning the company. But Nightscope is under 2% right now. Wall Street is sleeping on Nightscope and Nightscope might be popping soon. And when it does, oh boy, it's going to be an interesting ride to go through. It's a good day for anyone who's invested in Nightscope. But like I said, this is financial advice. So just my personal opinion. I, I believe Nightscope's going to change the world. And the fact now that they went from having 130 machines in network to over 7,000 plus in network, it's going to cause the stock to pop soon. That's if Wall Street catches on. Continuing on, IBM surpasses quarterly projections and lifts its full-year revenue forecast. IBM shares rose as much as 6% in extended trading on Wednesday after the technology conglomerate surpassed analysis estimates for the third quarter and lifted its growth projection for the full year. Here's how the company did. Earnings, $1.81 per share adjusted for $1.77 per share, as expected by analysis according to Refinitiv. Revenue, $14.11 billion versus $13.51 billion as expected by analysis according to Refinitiv. Revenue increased 6.5% from a year earlier, according to the statement. With our year-to-date performance, we now expect full-year revenue growth above our mid-single-digit model, CEO said in the statement. In July, the company said that it had expected growth at the high end of the model. The company said foreign exchange rates will result in 7% less revenue than it otherwise would generate in a full year 
IBM reiterated its guidance from July of around 10 billion in free cash flow. Quote, I certainly hope that the, we're seeing the end of the dollar strengthening, the CEO said in a conference call with analysis. In Europe, the energy crisis and inflation are making it for more cautious uh, conversations, but the concerns aren't reflected yet in the data. The company ended the third quarter with 3.21 billion loss from continuing operations compared with the income of $1.04 uh, billion in the year ago quarter. IBM spun off its managed infrastructure services business into uh, Kendrel in November of 2021. During the third quarter, IBM paid a one-time non-cash pension settlement charge uh, tied to the transfer of some pension obligations and assets to the third-party insurers. IBM reported an adjusted pre-tax margin of 13.9%, while analysis pulled by Street Account has been looking for 15.1%. Revenue from software totaled $5.81 billion. That represents growth of nearly 7.5% year-over-year and exceeds the $5.54 billion consensus estimate among analysis pulled by Street Account. About 8% of software revenue came from a commercial relationship with Kendrel, said Jim Cavigan, IBM financial chief of the conference call. Revenue from transaction processing software grew 23%. Consulting revenue came in to $4.70 billion, which is up 5.5% and above street account consensus of $4.51 billion pre-tax margins in the consulting unit narrowed to 9.8% from 10.5%. Continued labor cost inflation factored into profit for the unit, IBM said. However, coming out of the third quarter, we are seeing signs of progress. Uh, Kavanaugh said, flag, uh, flagging higher utilization rates. The infrastructure segment delivered $3.35 billion, up 14.8%, and higher than $3.0 billion. Street account consensus revenue from IBM's systems line of mainframe computers jumped 88%. Sales of the Z16 mainframe computer began in the second quarter. You know, it's interesting that IBM becomes the first company to say that they're, they're lifting its full year revenue forecast, okay? A lot of companies aren't doing that right now. We have companies like Microsoft who are laying off people. And I believe, it's it's hard to remember all the companies, but I believe a lot of companies like Google and Microsoft are not giving guidance right now. And you have IBM that is, they're raising it in fact. So does, does IBM giving us the a clear picture of where the economy is going? Maybe things are turning around finally. And if that's the case, that means the market could be on the rise soon. Not financial advice, obviously, but the fact that IBM's the first to say that they're raising their guidance kind of gives me a little bit of hope going forward with the market. But then there's this news, which is probably going to make Wall Street have the jitters for a while. Tesla shares slide after Q3 revenue miss. Bernstein says earnings call didn't sit well with us. Shares of Tesla slid about 6% Thursday morning as investors digested the company's third quarter earnings report from Wednesday evening. Tesla reported earnings of $1.05 per share, beating expectations of $0.99 a share. Okay, that's pretty good. Revenue came in light at uh, $21.45 billion, which missed analysis expectation of $21.96 billion. The company said on its earning call that while it expects 50% annual growth in production this year, its deliveries may fall just under 50% growth due to an increase in the cars in transit at the end of the year. Still, Musk was bullish on the earnings call, noting that the company is pedal to the metal, even with the potential recession looming. <laughs> Another CEO admitting a recession's coming. That's funny. No, well, not funny, but the, the, he's the next one coming out saying it. I can't emphasize enough, we have excellent demand for Q4, and we expect to sell every car that we make for, for as far into the future as we can see, Musk said. 
The factories are running at full speed and we're delivering every car we make and keeping operation margins strong. Musk's comments didn't persuade Bernstein senior research analysis, uh, Tony uh, Sakanoji. Aside from the financials, the earnings call didn't sit well with us. Answers to uh, answers to many questions on the earnings call were were curt and almost dismissive. With the CEO Musk instead reported very uh, correction, repeatedly making very bold uh, making very bold predictions about Tesla's future and capabilities. You know, Tesla has been like the dream child of Wall Street for a while. And we have to remember too, there's a lot of car companies that are saying that they're going to meet production goals and be able to release more EV batteries soon within the United States. Tesla's no longer the big, big kids on the block anymore. They got competition now. And these companies are coming out of the woodwork left and right, it seems like. But what's also interesting too, from, from tech industry too, from CNBC, Musk says Tesla expects to meet Inflation Reduction Act requirements for a new tax credits on EVs. Hmm. Let's read into that because Hyundai said the other day, which was yesterday, that they were going to struggle with this. Tesla CEO Elon, Elon Musk said during the company's third quarter call on Wednesday evening that the company expects to fully meet the Inflation Reduction Act requirements that would allow consumers to receive tax credits on new EV purchases. President Joe Biden signed the bill in August after it was passed by both chambers of Congress. It included climate-related incentives like up to a 7,500 tax credit for consumers who purchase an electric vehicle to be eligible for the credit. The car batteries must meet a minimum threshold of parts sourced from the U.S. or countries with which it has a free trade agreement. The passage of the Inflation Reduction Act a more than $430 billion health, tax, and climate package is a significant boost towards accelerating our mission, Tesla CFO Zachary Kirkhorn told analysis during the company's Q3 earnings call. Kirkhorn added that it would also result in scaling the battery supply chain at large in the United States. Though he said the eligibility criteria for the credit won't be fully clear until the Treasury Department publishes guidance, likely by the end of the year. Quote, we believe Tesla is very well positioned to capture a significant share of of the solar storage and also electric vehicles, Kirkhorn said. Shares of Tesla were down about 6% during the pre-market trading Thursday after falling short of analysis revenue expectations for the quarter. Quote, we're going to uh, basically pedals to the metal as fast humanly possible to get to 1,000 gigawatt hours a year of production in the U.S. vertical integrated, Musk said. Tesla, I I don't think its heydays are done just yet. I mean, you can't bet against Elon Musk. Elon Musk is like, in my opinion, the new Steve Jobs. He's really smart. And it's my biggest regret that I never invested in Tesla. This is not financial advice, but I remember thinking of Tesla at the time. I was like, there's no way Tesla's going to survive. And I was wrong. And this was back in 2014, 2015, right at the time when I started looking more into the markets. But I was wrong. And Elon Musk is just a really, really smart guy in the end of the day. He's going to grow this company in any way he can to be able to get his products his products and services out there. What I will find interesting overall is how the battery component is going to change things within the United States. I mean, the other day I was with my family and I noticed that there was a little bit more charging stations at a mall that had never had charging stations before. So that's good to see that charging stations are growing, but I still think there's going to be issues going forward. 
there's not enough charging stations right now. And I don't think the US power grid can handle a battery storage unit, not yet at least. And the reason I say that is recently there was a battery storage that kind of lit on fire from PG&E's plant. Now, granted that battery was from Australia and maybe Tesla will have better luck, but it seems like the technology is just not quite there yet. But if there's someone who's going to figure it out, it's most likely going to be Elon Musk. So we're still going to be a nation that's relying on oil currently right now. And this ties into what I have to talk about now from the politics sides of things. Yesterday, Joe Biden came out. We kind of reported it a little bit, but I decided I needed to talk a little bit more about this. Joe Biden has announced that he's releasing 10 to 15 million extra barrels of oil from the strategic reserves here in the United States. Okay. Let's get into that right now, actually. From the politics of CNBC, Biden says oil companies should ramp up production and cut prices at the pump instead of buying back stock, paying dividends. Whoa, okay. Let's see what Joe Biden has to say about this. President Joe Biden said oil companies need to use their record profits to ramp up production rather than to enrich shareholders. Quote, my message to the American energy companies is this. You should not be using your profits to buy back stock for the di- or, or for dividends. Not now. Not while a war is raging, Biden said. You should be using these record breaking profits to increase production and refinering. Profits at the six largest publicly traded oil companies topped 70 billion in the second quarter, Biden said, adding that in the first half of the year, those companies spent 20 billion on buybacks, the most significant buybacks in almost a decade. Quote, so far, American companies are using that windfall of profits to buy back their own stock, passing that money onto their shareholders, not to consumers, he said. Continuing on, gas prices are averaging $3.85 a gallon in the U.S., dropping off the the record high of more than $5 a gallon set in June. With less than three weeks until the midterm elections, Americans and polls increasingly put the economy and the price of gas at the top of their concerns. And this is why Joe Biden's speaking out about this, because he's trying to get more votes to win. He's He's continuing to blame the oil companies for his failures of executive orders. Okay. He continued on to say, invest in America for the American people. Bring down the price you charge at the pump to reflect what you pay for the product, Biden said. Quote, you'll still make a significant profit. Your shareholders will do very well and the American people will catch a break they deserve and get a fair price at the pump as well. Biden also officially announced the release of 15 million barrels of crude oil from the, from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The White House has released about 165 million barrels of crude oil from the reserve since the beginning of the year out of the total that is said to be around 180 million. Now, this is when I started having a little bit of reflection on this. Biden promised to purchase oil to refill the reserves once the price hits $70 a barrel, he said. He said companies should therefore invest now and increase production with the confidence that the government will purchase the oil later. Quote, my message to oil companies this, you're sitting on record profits and we're giving you more certainty that you can act now to increase oil production now, he said. Biden said if retailers and refiners were earning the average profit they'd they had made over the last 17 years, Americans would be paying 60 cents less per gallon. Huh, 60 cents less per gallon. Hmm. Gas in California is about six bucks a gallon right now, in some places in California. Under President uh, Trump, 60 cents was not a lot. Under President Trump, from what people were posting on social media, some people were paying less than two bucks. I think in California, it got as low as $3, and that was pretty... Pretty good to see. So 60 cents, Joe Biden's nothing. But what's interesting is, as I was sitting there listening to his speech, I literally sat there and was like, 
this sounds familiar. Like, in, in all honesty, what he's saying right now it sounds extremely familiar. And as I kept reflecting on it, I remembered, oh my gosh, he's almost giving the exact same speech from June 10th of this summer, June 10th of 2022, in fact, okay? So I had to go back and look at the article, okay? From politics again, let's take a, a trip down memory lane. From the politics side, from June 10th of 2020, from CNBC, start investing, Biden jabs ExxonMobil for high fuel cost and inflation speech. President Joe Biden slammed ExxonMobil on Friday for what he described as the oil giant's greedy, reluctant to produce more petroleum just hours after U.S. economics said inflation in May rose at the levels not seen since early of 1980s. Asked by the reporter if, if his administration had plans to go after oil companies, Biden launched into a verbal attack on Exxon, one of the largest oil producers in the world. Gas prices have played a major role in rising costs for consumers. Quote, why don't you tell them that Exxon's profits were this quarter? Biden advised the reporter, Exxon made more than God this year. Yeah. Okay. Continuing on, Biden also spoke from Los Angeles, went on the offensive during the press conference designed to address the Labor Department monthly consumer inflation report that came out early February. Now, this is where things repeat themselves. And this is where I just was like, wow, this is insane. Okay. It says here, one thing I want to say about oil companies, they have 9,000 permits to drill. They're not drilling, he continued. Why aren't they drilling? Because they make more money not producing more oil, the price goes up. The second, the reason they're not drilling is they're buying back their own stock, Biden said, buying back their own stock and making no new investments. Exxon, the top US oil producer, announced in April it, it intends to triple the size of its stock buyback program and repurchase up to 30 billion its shares by the end of next year. The total compared with earlier estimates of 10 billion in repurchases. Now it says here, the first three months of 2022, Exxon dis distributed 5.8 billion to shareholders, including 3.8 billion in dividends and 2.1 billion in stock, in stock buybacks. The president uh, wrapped up this specific directive to petroleum producers, start investing, start paying your taxes. Yeah, well, here's the thing that I have to remind you all. It takes time to build this stuff. In fact, looking into some of this, just to figure out of Biden's policies, okay? from Business Insider says, Joe Biden's energy policies will prolong the current crisis, oil and gas executives said. This is from April 17th of 2022, okay? A prominent oil and gas executive said in an interview with Fox News, and this is Insider, by the way, okay? He believed that the Biden administration energy policies would prolong and magnify the existing crisis. Joe Biden announced Friday that the federal government would resume oil and gas releases on federal land in a bid to bring down pet uh, petrol prices. They have hit record high 70% since Biden took office with gasoline at $4.07 as of Friday. U.S. Oil and Gas Associate President Tim Stewart told Fox News and the news policy will compound the problem. We have a short-term production shortfall right now. The security actions that she announced yesterday will push this problem out three, five, seven, ten years. Security Deb Holland said in a statement shared with the Insider, how we manage our public lands and waters say everything about what we value as a nation. For too long, the federal oil and gas leasing programs have prioritized the wants of the ex extractive in industries above local communities and natural environment. The impact on our air and water, the needs of tribal nations, and moreover, other uses of shared public lands. Okay, And somewhere in this article, if I'm not mistaken, let's see. Oh, here it is. The, re the recent decline in global oil prices came after Biden released 1 million barrels of oil a day from the government's strategic stockpiles for six months. The president has come under intense political pressure for fuel prices. 
And this, they talk about the releasing more oil. And it says here, quote, we are concerned about his action adds new uh, barriers to increasing energy productions, including removing some of the most significant parcels. And this is where it comes from. It says, Frank, Frank, the senior vice president at the American Petroleum Institute, the oil industry largest lobbying group, told the FT the new policy would discourage oil and natural gas investment on federal lands. You know, Joe Biden's been passing a lot of laws. He's he's blaming them, saying like, oh, you have all the lands in the world to drill, but it takes time to build things. You can't just wake up and just say, oh, it's built, okay? Remember, in past podcasts that we've talked about, I mean, it, this is it's just insane. It says, where is it? Here it is. Stewart also said that the security of interior is very much on message with the rest of the Biden administration because it says here that Joe Biden's not meeting with them. These oil companies it says she's was very clear that what uh, that's what she was going to do for those oil and gas operators who were interested in doing work on federal lands, that we should be prepared to pay about 50 percent more in royalties and other fees that we already pay. Stewart said he added that they're only going to have access to 20% of the current acreage they have put forward to the sec uh, secretary as potential oil and gas opportunities for us. So oil companies don't sound like they're going to be making money if they were to drill right now. And it takes time to build these rigs. Oil, he's going to keep blaming oil companies. Joe Biden will. He's going to continue blaming oil companies. And oil is going to be just become a nightmare in the market soon. I mean, if you're invested in oil, you're going to be making a ton of money. But if you, if you're not invested in oil, this is not financial advice. Markets are going to continue, just continue to be chaotic. And he's going to keep blaming oil companies. Literally, the American people right now are concerned about energy prices. They're concerned about inflation. And Joe Biden's response right now is, oh, it's the oil company's faults. Is it not your fault either? One of the executive orders you did, Joe Biden, the first day in office, you canceled Keystone Pipeline. Another way to get more oil and gas into our nation. Because right now, it's still coming from that field up in Canada. It's coming by truck now, though. Okay, You could have easily had it by going by truck, by rail, and by pipeline. But we couldn't build the pipeline because you had to pander to a political base right now. Just, just know, Joe Biden's repeating, uh, repeating speeches because he's trying to blame everyone but himself. His policies are what's causing the oil markets to be insane. His policies are also what's causing gas prices to go up a little bit. Now, I can't blame him 100%. There were some issues like COVID, for instance, was one reason too. But at the end of the, but at the end of the day, if he's begging for oil from other countries, he needs to take a good long look in the mirror. He's blaming everyone but himself. He's going to continue blaming it because he doesn't want to take blame because he knows his party is going to be screwed come midterm elections. Market's not going to take it anymore. American people aren't going to take it anymore. And I'm going to keep saying it over and over. We need to keep drilling. Drill, baby, drill. I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street. With that Wall Street isn't always also willing to talk about, please share with friends or family as they might enjoy this podcast as well. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.